So when uh, Trevor Lloyd, um, he asked a number of us, um, as, as we were preparing for this term's preaching, which is on Jesus, he asked a number of us that preach, what does Jesus mean to us? Um, and I immediately thought about how I really like how Jesus kind of stirs things up and he breaks some rules and he sort of deviates from the norm. Um, I, there's just something about that that really appeals to the, maybe it's the rebel in me, I don't know. And when I was thinking about this, I'm thinking, how, what is it about Jesus? And I decided that actually Jesus um, was subversive. And you might think, well, it's a bit of a strong word. I thought it was a bit of a strong word, so I had to do my homework and look up what it means. So I'm going to read the dictionary definition, or one of them. Subversive, tending or intending to subvert or overthrow, destroy or undermine an established or existing system, especially a legally constituted government or a set of beliefs. And I think Jesus was subversive. Now, that's not to say that Jesus came to subvert the law. He didn't. He clearly states in Matthew 5 that he came to fulfill the law. So when I describe Jesus as subversive, what I mean is he came to break down those religious and rigid interpretations that had built up around the law. He came to break down those kind of man-made practices and things that people had added. Because at this point, the law and everything surrounding it had become so burdensome. There were so many extra bits added to it. There were so many things that people had to do to try and stay on the good side of God. And I think that people had just got tired and weary of that. And so in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7, we have a fabulous piece of scripture, which will be entitled in your Bible, The Sermon on the Mount. Now, if you're new to faith or you're just wondering where, where, should I, where should I start in the Bible, I highly recommend the Sermon on the Mount. It is full of wisdom. It is full of grace. It is full of lots and lots of ways for us to live, how to pray, how to give, how to fast. It's got some wonderful, wonderful things in it. And I think this is one of the parts, one of the, the places where Jesus is beginning to stir things up. He, he wants to look at things a bit differently. And I think he's addressing a crowd that are weary and are worn down by religion. Because the first thing he does is he speaks a blessing over people. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers. And I think he we have to look at the context of this. And I don't think he's just thinking, oh, I'll just pluck these things out of thin air. I think he's talking to people who feel like this, people that are mourning, people that are looking for righteousness, looking for a different way, people who are meek, people who are hungry. And then he, um, he starts to encourage them when they are persecuted. And he's either talking about the fact that they are being persecuted or he's talking about things to come. And then after that, he urges them to be salt and to be light and to be fresh and not to hide themselves, not to lose their saltiness. And again, I think that's Jesus addressing a bunch of people that have just been weighed down with these kind of religious practices and these ways of doing things. And they've just got tired and and weary of this. But Jesus brings this glorious freshness and a way 
of looking at things that really hasn't been done before. And that's what I love about this. And then Jesus moves on to um, look at the part of the Ten Commandments. And he says things like this. You have heard it said, but I say to you. And he does this six times. You have heard it said. In other words, you've heard this bit of the law, but actually, let's think about it this way instead. And he brings, he brings a freshness and a lightness to it. So, and every time he takes things a step further. So what you might look at as the, the, the letter of the law, Jesus then enhances it by bringing the spirit of the law, the spirit of how actually we should live, a so much better way of seeing things, a so much lighter and in many ways easier way of seeing things. So he says, you've heard it said, do not murder. But I say, don't even be angry. Don't even be resentful to people. Isn't that a so much better way to live? You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But actually, I say, don't even be thinking about it. Don't be lusting after somebody else's wife or husband. Isn't that a better way to live? You've heard it said, love your neighbor. But actually, love your enemies. Isn't that a so much better way to live? That we don't just love the people that we like, but actually, we're more radical than that. We go so much further than that. We take it to the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law, not to the like, let's just take it to there because that's what we've been told to do. No, let's love our enemies. And this particular passage of scripture is where we get things like, you must turn the other cheek and go the extra mile. They're actually things that are kind of in our sort of culture now. We, we hear those things, but they've, they've usually come from Shakespeare, haven't they, or come from the Bible. These ones have come from the Bible, which is great. That's a win-win. But Jesus, Jesus challenges the way that things have always been done, the way that things have been accepted, even though they might not be okay. They just say, well, this is, this is how we do it. This is, this is what happens. And further on in the Sermon on the Mount, um, Jesus talks about all sorts of other ways of doing things. You know, how to pray. Don't, don't be out there kind of praying on the street corner. Oh, Lord. You know, just be in your home. Be in your home. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Wow, that's so much nicer, isn't it? It's a so much better way to pray. And, you know, we could think, well, it sounds like Jesus has added to the burden because he's just given them a load of extra things to do. And he even says at one point in Matthew 5, verse 48, be perfect as I am perfect. That is a high ideal. But actually, what Jesus is saying to them is, you can do things this way. There's a better way to do things. You can do things because your heart says to do them. You can do things with a good attitude. You can do things because there is a joy in it. Rather than doing things because you're scared of breaking the rules, why not do things because there is a joy and a lightness and a freedom in it? So Jesus brings such a fresh and better way of doing things. And... Um, he isn't scared to break the rules because he knows that the rules have been misused. He knows that they've been misapplied. So in Matthew 12, 9, we get a lovely piece of scripture. I think we'll probably have it up on the screen um, where Jesus heals the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath. Very controversial, I might say. So we'll start at verse 9 in chapter 12. Matthew 12, verse 9. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue And a man with a shriveled hand was there. 
looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. That They asked him, that's the Pharisees asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And he said to them, well, if any of you had a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? We might say, how much more valuable is a person than a rule? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Now Jesus knows that the the Pharisees have this fixed and rigid view of the Ten Commandments. This this particular commandment is, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy and do not work. And they've taken this to the nth degree and they've kind of squeezed all the life out of it. And Jesus has come to address that. He's come to put the life back into the commandments. He's come to put the life back into people. And then in Matthew 15, verse 3 to 6, another little example of where he starts to stir things up a bit. It says, and why do you, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. The Pharisees have just called Jesus and his disciples out on something. They've just decided to have a good moan about the fact that um, they don't wash properly before they eat and they don't eat the right food. They're eating stuff that's supposed to be for sacred, for something else. And so Jesus comes right back at them and he says, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honour your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honour their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. He's not mincing words here. And basically what this is, what, what's happening here is that there's a little loophole that means that if you've got money that would have normally been used to support your ageing parents, um, but you say, oh no, this money has been earmarked for God, then you're allowed to keep that money. Now, that seems very cynical to me. I'll say to God, oh no, this, oh no, this is God's money but it means I can keep it for myself and maybe my parents need to be supported, they need to be cared for, whatever. And the Pharisees have taken this and they've twisted it and they've used it for their own gain. But Jesus says, it's not about the rules, it's about the people. And I just love how he outwits them and he turns the emphasis from the rules to the people. I remember... Once I don't even remember, in kind of 2013, around that time, we had one or two really bad winters with lots of snow and, oh, it, 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 there was two or three winters where it was really, I loved it. I loved the snow. It was great. But um, my children at the time were having to walk to college and to, and to school. And so, obviously, practically, um, one of them was wearing her wellies. Now, admittedly, the wellies had skulls on because she was going through her emo phase. Um, but nevertheless... Um, it was quite practical to wear your wellies. Right there, Mel? Um, <laughs> it's quite practical to wear your wellies to school. So a teacher decided to call her out on her wellies. And he's like, well, they're not school uniform. To which she said, sir, 
it's snowing and I've had to walk to school. Now, I'd much rather someone was concerned about my child's feet being warm and dry than they were about whether she was wearing her black lace-up shoes. How often do we get that amount of snow? Not that often, really. So I would much rather that people cared much more about other people's welfare than they did about the fact that you've got the wrong footwear in the middle of a snowstorm. And that's the sort of thing that I mean, that, that people are so much more important than rules. And there are many other examples that we can look at of how Jesus upsets the status quo and how he calls people out for things. In particular, things like when he overturns the money changes tables and the market stalls in the temple. Um, you know, that's quite a radical thing. We, we see Jesus being righteously angry and kind of physically violent almost. And it seems like a very, a very strong thing, but he is standing up for some principles and standing up for some people. So we can ask ourselves some questions from this. What is Jesus doing? What does he achieve? And more importantly, what does it mean for us? So what is Jesus doing? Well, one of the things I think he's doing, he is calling out shadow behaviour. And he's calling out behaviour with motives, particularly amongst the Pharisees. Things that might be a bit manipulative. Things that have got an agenda behind them. Things that aren't quite what they seem. And of course the Pharisees are motivated by trying to catch Jesus out. He's also calling out hypocrisy. Now I have to say, I'm a bit of a master at hypocrisy sometimes. Because I find myself saying to Brendan things like, Oh, I don't think that's a good attitude to have, is it? Only half an hour later to find myself saying virtually the same thing. In fact, we were in the car the other day, I was having a little rant about something, and he actually turned and he went, oh, you sound a bit like me. (laughs) So, I hold my hands up. It's easy, isn't it, sometimes, to say one thing and then, or correct somebody and then find, you know, you're doing the same thing. Oh, I can see lots of nodding at the back there, and the people clearly do it. But it's like, we have to question that, don't we? Hypocrisy. Something that needs thinking about. And then also Jesus challenges his systems, Him, you know, with the market in the temple. They've always had a market there, probably. It's always what we've done. It doesn't matter that it's corrupt and when we're changing the money, we're not really giving the right amount of stuff and that we're charging the wrong prices. We've always had a market, so it's always there. He's also challenging this behaviour, as I've mentioned, where, where principles are more important than people. You know, you can't work on the Sabbath. You can't heal that man's hand because it's the Sabbath and it's what we always do. And then he's challenging behaviour where the letter of the law is more important than the spirit of the law. You know, don't murder anybody. You can hate them, you can see with resentment, you can sit by them and you can just be thinking how much you, you, know, you want to heap you know, harm upon them. But it's all right, if you don't, if you don't murder them, you're all right. Well, that's, gonna, that's not going to work, is it? So those are the sort of things that Jesus is doing. That's the sort of behaviour that Jesus is is pulling out and wanting to highlight and wanting to bring in the light and wanting to remove. So what does he achieve? Well, he brings about change. He, He challenges people in the way they think and the things that they do, and he changes behaviour. He also, and I think this is so important, he makes people's lives better. The man with the withered hand His life was changed completely for the better. There was no agenda there. There was this man needs his hand healing. 
And his life was made so much better. And then, of course, he sets a beautiful example. Because today we read this and we look at this and we see an example in Jesus of how we ourselves can live. So what does this mean for us? I think there is a place and a time where we can do these things. I think there is a time when rules need to be challenged and when attitudes need to be changed. And sometimes we need to think about if this is the way that it's always been done, is it still okay? And there are lots of examples in history of people that have asked questions of the system. Emmeline Pankhurst, why can't women vote? Rosa Parks, why can't I sit down here on this bus? And more recently, Malala Yousafzai, who asked the Taliban, why can't girls be educated? Now, I'm not suggesting that what we say and do will be as radical or as wide-reaching as this. But I do think there might be a time and a place when we can ask a question or challenge a system. So firstly, we can challenge ourselves. I sometimes um, listen to the, uh, the Lectio 365 evening. You might have heard of Lectio. We've talked about it before. Lectio 365 is an app. Um, it's great for prayer and for kind of guided prayer and that sort of thing. I love it. I listen to it on the way to work in the morning. But every so often, I will um, put my headphones in and lie in bed and listen to the evening one. And one of the things that it asks you to do sometimes is just reflect on the day. And one of the questions that's sometimes asked is, think about the things that you've done today. What was your motive? And I'm challenged every time. Because I think, what was my motive for what I did today? Was I a little bit manipulative? Did I do something with a hidden agenda? Did I do something that maybe wasn't the best choice of things? And I don't think, oh, I failed again. I just think, do you know what? It's really good to reflect on those things because I probably wouldn't ask myself those questions if somebody hadn't asked them of me. But because in the app somebody is asking me that question, it gives me a moment to reflect on that. So maybe the first thing I need to do is work on myself and challenge my own behaviour and my own attitudes. And the second thing we can do is help others. Now, you need to have a good relationship with somebody if you're going to call out bad behaviour in them. You can't just be pointing the finger. That's not okay. But we are into building relationship and we are into discipling one another. And we all have blind spots You know, things sometimes that are so ingrained in us, possibly because of the way that we've been brought up. Sometimes things that you've been told in your family, you just accept that those are true. I was trying to think of an example on this, and the ones I came up with were ridiculous, so I'm just going to go for it. I've been watching Friends recently. I realise this is fiction. Phoebe is not a real person, okay? But there is a point in, uh, in Friends, there's an episode in Friends, where Phoebe realises that she has been lied to in terms of the ending of films. So her mother, when it got to the sad ending where the dog got shot, for example, um, her mum had already switched off, already switched off the video, as it was then, and said, oh, there's the happy ending, the dog ends up with the family, what actually happens is that the dog gets rabies and it gets shot. But she doesn't know that. She, as far as she's concerned, this is just the happy ending. And she's been told this all her life, and she is now an adult. And I know that is a ridiculous example, but there are things that maybe we have been told 
hold that we still believe are true. And they're blind spots. And sometimes it takes somebody else just to maybe gently point out our blind spots. So maybe we need to help each other. And then maybe there are systems and regulations and corporations that need to be challenged. So recently, I had a lady um, come into Jubilee Centre, and she doesn't have a TV. She doesn't have any sort of receiving device whatsoever. She might have a radio. She has no smartphone. And periodically, she gets a letter from the TV licence people saying, you have to prove to us that you haven't got a TV licence. Now, at the top of this letter is a line in bold that says, we might send the boys round to check, or words to that effect. Before it says anything else, before it asks you to make any sort of case about the fact that you might not need a TV licence, it it basically threatens you with somebody coming round. Now, this lady is, is elderly. She lives with some mental health challenges, she is vulnerable, and she brings this letter to me, and she is physically shaking, because she thinks that somebody is going to batter her door down and come and check if she's got a TV. That is not okay. That is not how we treat people. That is not a good thing to do. I was on the phone. (laughs) And I know that at the end of the phone is a call handler, And it's probably not his fault. But to be honest, he said to me, I agree with you. That is not a good way to treat people. And I will register your complaint to somebody higher up. And I think, well, that's that's achieved something. And the lady was okay. Nobody came to a door. And for another two years now, we'll be all right until this all happens again. But I'll be looking at that letter next time and thinking, I want to know what that top line says. And then recently, just before Christmas, I was shopping and I was in a shop, which is not my demographic, admittedly. It is for the young, trendy people. But in that shop, it's a shop where normally you'd, somebody would come up to you straight away to ask you what you want. I was completely ignored in this shop. I was actually leant over by somebody talking, it was an assistant talking to a younger, trendier person. I was actually leant in front of so they could get a product. I was completely invisible in this shop. Now... Okay, so I was a bit upset, but even so, that's not okay. I was on the email. I was on the email. I explained what had happened. Now, full of grace and truth, because there's no point in doing it any other way. But I got a lovely email back from from a lady saying, actually, I am also in your demographic. I'm in your age group, and I agree that is not okay. And we are going to retrain our staff so that they look out for people like you, and they don't just target the 20-somethings. And I'm like, that's good. That's what I want to happen. Because I don't want people to feel marginalised. I don't want them to feel ignored. I don't want them to feel invisible. And I could do something about it, so I did. And the other thing that we need to challenge are things like... One more. (laughs) Things like the government sometimes. You know, maybe we need to write to our MP. Maybe we need to sign a petition. Maybe we need to look at the government differently because, you know, sometimes they're just the baddies, aren't they? But actually, they need us to pray for them. They need us to uphold them. Whether we agree with what they do is not really the point. They are at the coalface and they deserve our prayers and they deserve our compassion and they deserve our love. And, you know, that's, 
That's a bit different. That's a bit radical, isn't it? Because it's not what we do. It's, we love to just slam these people. But actually, we need to think differently. We need to be radical. We need to mix things up a bit. So I'm not suggesting that we all become placard-wielding activists. <laughs> However, <laughs> at least one of my children is no stranger to walk in the streets with a placard. So, you know, if that's what you need to do, then maybe that's what you need to do. But is, because we've always done it that way, still a good choice? Is, these are what the rules say, still the best way of doing things? Is, we don't have the power to change things actually true? Jesus used grace, truth, wisdom, compassion and love to bring challenge and change He has given us those very gifts so that we can do the same.